You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 96. We'll be discussing the Avengers Infinity War trailer. I'm one of your hosts, Tim, and joining me this week is none other than Tumbling Saber's own, Kyle. Hey guys, how's it going? Ah, Welcome back, man. I'm glad you could be here. He's filling in the seat because my boys, Troy and Sanjay, couldn't make it and we had to get some content out to talk about Avengers Infinity War. This trail that dropped just, oh, I, I don't even have the words, man. Don't look at me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am just as speechless. What, what, this is the way to do things right, DC. Yes, DC. I love you, DC, but th- I mean, Marvel, Marvel's just continues to mop the floor. Yeah, this, the, the, how epic this trailer feels. And like, I've, I've watched it probably. 25 times i can't stop watching this trailer it's it's a culmination of everything we've watched since 2008 10 years of filmmaking in this one trailer yeah and right off the bat there's i don't know what it is i don't know if it's it's the music uh if it's it's the kickoff with nick fury's uh, voiceover but there's a feeling of dread oh yeah there's a feeling of i mean we know they've i mean they've spoken to this that this is sort of a turning point for them in the mcu but it, it really feels like there's a finality to this. It, it very much does. And like I agree, it's it's a lot in the music. It's a lot in the focusing shots and on Tony Stark and that. There's there's a there's a lot. This trailer is absolutely packed full of little Easter eggs, little tiny shots that mean so much. And what we're gonna do tonight, we're actually just gonna spend the whole episode, for the most part, talking through Avengers Infinity where we're going to break down this trailer in a bit of detail talk to some of the scenes that we're seeing in here how it relates to Ragnarok how it relates to the upcoming Black Panther film so there's a lot that they're building into and coming out of their recent movies so it's exciting to see all this culminating in this big huge trailer we've been waiting for this since July when they first debuted something at D23 and San Diego Comic-Con and it's finally here oh. it's it's been a hell of a ride man it's ten and, years. I mean, when when did they first announce Infinity War? October of two thousand fourteen. They first announced this, and this, this I mean, and that was a long way off. This has been a slow burn, and we've, I mean, they've given us obviously plenty of stuff to chew on in the meantime. But man, oh man, like it's finally around the corner, and it, man, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like this was actually first teased this concept in the Avengers post credit scene with Thanos. That was our first indication that something bigger was going on in the MCU. Like, so and that's, that's five years ago. Yeah, 2012. It? Yeah. Wow. It's going to be, yeah, six years since I t- first teased that, almost to the day. <laughs> I mean, it, doesn't that, that put an exclamation point on these, uh, not studio wars, because I don't know if they're truly at war with one another, but Marvel took this intentional step to let things play out over five years intentionally build it step by step and let us fall in love with these characters one at a time. Whereas, whereas DC is just, (laughs) they're just trying to make it all happen at once. Yeah. And that was, it's, it's not, it's not working as well as they'd hope. 
No, and that was our criticism when we reviewed Justice League, is that everything is happening too fast. You've not given any time for the audience, for the common moviegoer, for the, the fanboys, to fall in love with any of these characters. So you have no emotional stakes, you have no attachment, and you don't really care about these characters because you haven't spent 10 years with them. Like, you look at these characters and you're talking about this idea of kind of doom and gloom, this impending what could be deaths. Like, this, this really, really feel that in this trailer and it's because of your attachment you look at captain america there people were losing their minds with just how he looked in this trailer let alone yeah, what, the, like, what could happen the internet had some things to say about his beard didn't they well they loved it <laughs> <laughs> did you see the comments about them <laughs> people making a uh, a nice reference to the uh, mustache gate that is superman in justice league and saying that marvel paid 25 million dollars to put a beard on captain america <laughs> <laughs> I love the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. What would we do without it? Yeah. All right, dude. Before we get into a little bit more of a detailed breakdown of the Avengers Infinity War trail, I just wanted to do a quick bit of house cleaning. First off, our dudes over at Talk Star Wars and Matt Keegan, one of the Knights of the Commonwealth, they dropped their new book, Hindsight. Now, it's available on Amazon as a digital download and a paperback. It's incredible. I've read it two times, two and a half times at this point. And I sat down with those guys this past week and did an interview, a spoiler-free interview, and talked through some of the ideas that they had and how they actually constructed this book as this trio. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go and listen to it because it really teases a lot of the really big story elements. And these guys are absolutely fantastic. I know you've got your book on digital or on order, Kyle. Have you had a chance to read it yet? I have the, the, dig excuse me, I have the digital copy. I'm hoping to get a paperback one day. Maybe, maybe, hopefully, even maybe to get it signed by the authors. Hint, hint. Yeah. Um, but I haven't started reading yet. I've been neck deep in producing my own podcast, so I have a couple of days off coming, and I hope to at least digest a couple of chapters there. But I'm so proud of these guys. As as great as they are uh, as, as podcasters and and fellow nerds, then you find out that oh, we've we've got this whole script for a story, and oh, we don't have to do with it. So we're going to give it to this other friend of ours. Who's going to turn it into a novel? Who are we hanging out with? Oh, I know. It's Who incredible. are these virtuosos? These these mavens. It's incredible. I'm I'm so proud to know these guys. Yeah, me too. And just talking through and hearing their passion and the time, the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into this book, it it really shows. It's it's a fantastic book. A high recommend for me. Make sure to go. Check out the podcast that teases a few things and then go to Amazon and grab that book, whether it's paperback or digital. It's it's fantastic. That's Hindsight the Novel. You can search it up on Amazon there. I, I ordered my paperback. I went right for the US. I paid the extra bit of money to get the paperback. I was like, I need to have this on the shelf. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to have to follow suit. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and you mentioned you're producing a lot of stuff lately, man. Give a pump to the Patreon because I'm a powerful friend and... It's incredible. You, the stuff that you guys are doing, the podcast you're putting out, your Rebels coverage, just it's awesome, man. I can't compliment you guys enough at what you're doing over at Tumbling Saber. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we just have a lot of opinions on a lot of Star Wars stuff. And the more they feed us, the more I want to spit it back out at the world. Um, but, you know, we, we fired up a Patreon just because the, the more we produce, the more storage space we buy. So, yeah, we, we fired up the Powerful Friends program. And, you know, we try to give back. We, we make some pods exclusive and some are early access. Uh, we we give away a lot of stuff, which honestly eats up our monthly budget right there with, <laughs> when, you, when you do all the math. But uh, Corey and I and, and Carlos and Steve and James and M, 
we have so much fun when we get together that uh, it, it's it's all worth it. Every time we do a draw, we just get so giddy and who who's going to get this? Can't wait to ship it out. And then we get uh, we get the feedback on Twitter and they unbox and they say, "I got my stuff." Yeah. So yeah, man, we, we're having a blast and yeah, I mean, we, we were talking to you and I before that I'm just you know over my head all the time, but it, it's just so much fun to build these relationships all over the the globe. Yeah, it's it's become a global community. The Stars Commonwealth, it's and the powerful friends and the TSW VIP. It's it's a lot of interchanging there, and it's a lot of the same people. But man, is it a community? I I love it. You guys got to be a part of all of it. Uh, yeah, I would I would I hope people listening will will come and join in because man, do we have a lot of fun. We really I think all of us take a lot of pride in involving the listeners and, and giving back as much as we possibly can for their time. Like people give up their their ears to listen to us dopes yeah. <laughs> talk about nerddom that they could easily do themselves. Uh, but instead they, they choose to spend their time with us and that means an awful lot. So, um, you know, we put our blood, sweat and tears into our podcasts and, you know, work so hard and, uh, we hope the, the rewards, uh, via the Patreon program are worth it. And not even, not to mention the guaranteed friendships you're going to make. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. And I saw the unboxing or the picture that Jeff put up of his powerful friends prize pack that he got for joining up. What was it in the month of November or October? Uh, right before that your was, 100th episode, uh, right? That was October, I think. Yeah, it's it was incredible. It was like it was like this huge gift basket full of black series, and oh, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I gave. Yeah, he got. Uh, yeah, so I had, I had ran a contest. Uh, it didn't reap the 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 turnout that I had hoped for, but at the end. Jeff got a pretty sweet prize pack. His, his odds of winning were one for one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> Which is pretty good. But yeah, so we had a prize pack. It, it, was, a, it was a Black Series figure, uh, The Last Jedi three and three quarter figure, an old vintage Star Wars comic just as a, as a oh, yeah. relic of the past, uh, a Hot Wheels, um, a, a Slave One Hot Wheels oh, uh, yeah. toy. And yeah, I, I wrote up a little, a little card for, for Jeff thanking him for, for his patronage and support and, and just being a powerful friend. Get out there, become a powerful friend, head over to the Tumbling Saber on the Patreon site, and yeah, just do it. You guys got to do it. The content's there. And all right, man, this is this is an episode about Infinity War, but we have to just just briefly touch on Star Wars. We got it. We have to. It's December is going to be the Nerd Room's month of Star Wars. We've got the movie coming out in 14 days, which is crazy to think about. It's 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 here it's coming and this is overwhelming for me infinity war trailer and 14 15 days until the last jedi this my mind is about to explode with what we're getting like what a time to be alive it's ridiculous my brain can't keep up my heart certainly can't keep up i'm I'm drowning in a sea of awesome and you know i look behind the curtain here as we record i'm looking ahead two weeks into the future at exactly this time two weeks from now the last Jedi will probably be starting when you factor in 20 minutes of ads and oh. you know, trailers, the opening crawl could be passing before my eyes at this very moment, two weeks from today, which I'm, uh, I say I'm ready for this, but I, I don't know if I am. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't think you can be. It's, it's what's going to happen in this film. We all have an idea where this is going, where it's been teased to be going. I still think there's a lot of surprises to be had. And I've, I've completely pulled away from TV spots 
any of the magazine articles that we're getting, most of the images, I, I've had to, after that Monday Night Football trailer, I've had to step away from The Last Jedi because I want to have that experience in the theater the same way I went into The Force Awakens and just have that overwhelming experience of Star Wars. Two hours, two and a half hours, whatever it is, of sitting there and soaking all of it in. I just want to experience this like a normal human and not a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to take a little bit of a step back. Yeah, I, I have not stepped quite as far back. I, I've I've lost track of the TV spots. I think there's a couple I've missed. Uh, but I, again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they're at. I know they had like 25 or so or 27 for TFA. And I think oh. there are maybe 14 or so at this point for, for The Last Jedi. But come, come the end of this week, the, the talk show circuit will kick up. I think I think Jimmy Kimmel's got the entire cast, so That's we're surely right. going to get an exclusive clip, which is going to be really tough for me to stick, stay away from. Uh, and then the avalanche will really start. The, everybody will start splintering out and hitting this show and that show and the other, and it's it's just going to come fast and furious. Yeah, and then you got to avoid when the embargo, the review embargo breaks, uh, probably a week or so before, I would assume, just for kind of even Twitter reactions. When this movie starts to roll out, because listen to Mark over at TSW, he's saying that this film is now downloaded into theaters. Yep. And so it's there. It's present. I guess they need all these weird encryption codes and all that for it. But it's it's ready for the pre-screens. It's ready for what's going to happen in 14 days. <laughs> so I know it, it feels like it's been a lifetime that we've been talking about The Last Jedi coming out right off the heels of The Force Awakens. And it's just been this constant role with the, the action figures dropping in September, the trailer. It's it's just been overload on everything Star Wars. And it's it's I'm all rattled up that this is actually happening. And then I layer in what's actually happening in my real life too with work. And we have just bought a house today. We just signed a contract. Congratulations. <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> and we're going to have to move in the day after I see The Last Jedi, which is also nuts. <laughs> so Hey, you do what you got to do, man. Priorities. Yeah, Star exactly. Wars. So I said to my then wife. Then moving. <laughs> I said, we're not moving <laughs> on the, four, or the, what is it, the 14th. I said, we're not moving. It's not happening. <laughs> Can't do it. Or, 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 dear wife, you can do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be at the theater. No, what she'll do is pay someone an exorbitant amount of money to lift everything. But, you know, at the end of the mm. day, I'll still be watching The Last Jedi. <laughs> yep. And that and that's what really matters at the end. It is. I've been waiting for it for what? What has it been? Is it two years? It feels like it's been forever. I feel like, well, I feel that's like... what I wanted to ask you that. Does it, I think of the weights between the prequels. Yeah, they're three and years. And those apart, felt yeah. like forever. Those were three year waits, and there's nothing in between. Just, you know, spoiler reports here and there. And then as the movie got closer, yeah, then you start to get stuff in magazines and Entertainment Weekly comes around. But those waits seemed interminable. These waits, I find them almost a piece of cake. Yeah, like was... between Rogue One and The Last Jedi, and especially The Last 100 Days. Yeah, it's... like that, man. They have flown by. You're right. I, I don't know what it is about this one that's felt a bit more agonizing for me. It's the wait for The Force Awakens. Maybe it's because we're so involved in the community and all that now, the Star Wars community, the podcasting community, and you're talking about this every week. And you're like the first 100 or the, the first 100 of the 200 days, whatever, it felt like forever. But you're right. These last few weeks especially have really whizzed by. But I just – there's something about this film that's made it a bit more agonizing for me because – I just have this feeling, and you guys have talked about it on Tumbling Saber too, that something big's happened. They've been seeding this in all of the media, whether it's Rebels, the comic books, where, that something is about to seismically shift within this movie. And I, I'm ready for that, but I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I just want to understand what's going on. And I yeah, think that's what's made already. it more 
agonizing for me. It's just, I know something big is happening and I just don't know what it is. Like, that's it's, what's it, killing the, me. The arena Spalco moment. I want to know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, we're going to put the cap on the star Wars for now. And I'm sure it'll come up some reference here in infinity war, but Kyle's here to discuss with me all the infinity war stuff that has been laid on us within the last week or so. There's been grumblings on the internet, literally hashtags, give us the Avengers infinity war trailer ever since D23 and San Diego Comic-Con this year. They showed the fans there an exclusive look at Avengers Infinity War, the first trailer. They said this will never get out to public. They've teased it a few times since then. There's leaked images or leaked videos online of it. I've never watched the leaked images the le- or the leaked video footage because I didn't want to experience this thing unless it was in the format that they intended me to see it for the first time. And I, so I stayed far away from that. I saw some of the trailer descriptions. Some of that is built seemingly into this trailer as well. But earlier this week, they started dropping these Vanity Fair photo shoots with all of the characters. So there's four different individual magazine covers that span what appears to be the last 10 years of Marvel characters. Um, there's some really interesting things in here, but I think some of the most important stuff here is is they seemingly have paired up individuals here, and that's something that kind of broke the internet. People were trying to figure out what does these pairing mean, and personally, I don't think there's much to them. But when you look at the the pairing here, we got Falcon, Iron Man, Thor, and Black Widow on one of these covers. The big standout to me is Thor has a different costume on, but he's also holding his hammer. What are your thoughts on that? Like that really threw me for a loop that. That Thor is again carrying Mjolnir after we did see, spoiler alert, the destruction of it by Hela in Ragnarok. Yeah, that is, that's a weird one. Uh, I guess in a world where nobody is really ever dead, I, I guess some way, somehow, Mjolnir is brought back from the dead. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the time stone has something to do with that? I, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I have no idea how, how he gets Mjolnir back, but, uh, Good to see, because Thor ain't Thor without that hammer. No, and it's funny, though. If you remember back, it was a couple of years ago at San Diego Comic-Con, there was some, uh, what do you call it, the uh, the art that they do prior to, the conception, or conceptual art, sorry. they He was holding Yarbjorn, which is the big axe, and he's kind of back-to-back with Rocket Raccoon. So the expectation was, in, after seeing Thor Ragnarok, okay, the hammer's gone, and he's going to be fighting with Yarbjorn, which he fights with... I think in the comics now, he has in the last little bit from the Jason Aaron run. So it's a big axe that he fights with. Right. Now, for a Marvel, more PG, PG-13 movie, Thor swinging around an axe and chopping heads off probably isn't <laughs> what they're exactly shooting for. But it's it's interesting that they've kind of brought this back around and that he's also missing his eye patch as well. I, well, I guess you're not going to put uh, the beautiful Chris Hemsworth yes. on the Vanity Fair cover and... <laughs> And, and label up one of those beautiful baby blues, no? No, he looks. <laughs> he also looks not so thrilled to be in that picture. But <laughs> no, I don't know if he's like, get me out of here already. Yeah. And so we're gonna skip over to a couple of these other ones here. We've got one here with uh, Mark Ruffalo with green hands, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, and Paul Rudd's Ant Man. Another great looking crew here. Very diverse cast. I'm loving what I'm seeing from all these. You skip over to another one here. You've got. Chris Pratt's Star-Lord, we've got Doctor Strange, Tom Holland, and Spider-Man, and Gwyneth Paltrow, kind of an odd choice as well. Not a character I thought we'd see a lot of in Avengers Infinity War. We don't see her in the trailer. We did see her have some moments in Homecoming as well. So it's interesting that she's on the cover as well. 
I wonder if that's purely because it is Vanity Fair and maybe Gwyneth is part of that demographic who read a lot of Vanity Fair. It's quite possible, yeah. It's it's a character that yeah, maybe is a bit more appealing. But you think what about like Valkyrie or something from from Ragnarok? Yeah. If if you Where's Valkyrie? Yeah, exactly. Where's where's um Maria Hill? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of characters that you could have probably Nebula or um Karen Gillian that plays Nebula. Or Zoe Sedania that plays Gamora. There's sure. a lot of, and I'm not saying that Gwyneth shouldn't be on there. I'm saying it's just kind of weird that she's kind of stuck on this screen with, or on this magazine with Star Lord, Doctor Strange, and Spider Man. Just doesn't really fit. Yeah, and has she ever shared? Was she? I know she was in Homecoming. Hey, I finally saw it, man. Oh, did you? You'd be proud of me. I'm, I'm catching up. I, I saw Doctor Strange. I've seen Homecoming. Oh, that's and important. I watched. Oh boy, there's a third one that I caught up on. You saw Ragnarok. Oh, Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah. So there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm catching up, man. You gotta get yeah, got to see them all did, before did Infinity Gwyneth War. Did share any screen time with Tom Holland? Uh, I believe right at the end when they're going out to – when he was going to announce Spider-Man as being part of the Avengers. And he shows them the okay. Iron Spider suit, which we do see in the trailer. I think when they're walking in there because he, he proposes to her, presumably. That's kind of what they're implying with a, right before the press conference. And so I think they may have shared the screen. Did they actually have dialogue? Ooh, that's something that Troy, because he's seen that movie a ton of times, he'd be able to tell us kind of right like that. But they have shared credits in a movie together. I could say that for sure. Yeah, sure. And then the uh, the last cover that we did have here is probably my favorite cover. We've got Captain America flanked by Vision. We've got Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye with a brand new haircut. We've Looking got, serious. Yeah, he does. And we've got... War Machine, Rhodey here, and then eventually Lily's Wasp, which is a character we have not really been introduced to in her superhero form. It's the first time other than set leaks, and I think she did post one photo on Instagram with her having this uniform on. I'm not sure how much she's actually in the film. She said that she's only filmed one or two days worth of footage for Avengers Infinity War. But it's another fun character that I hope is going to get a bit more screen time because following Infinity War, we're going to get Ant-Man and the Wasp, which they're filming right now. Yeah. So I had actually, you know what? I had a hard time identifying her at first. I'm like, who is that? Yeah. And I I, I was blanking. And finally, it's, it's just clicked as we we're just getting ready to roll here. Oh, that's who it is. Yeah, she's, she's oh, she looks she looks terrific. Yeah, she looks awesome. She's one of probably going to be the lesser known characters that, that might be thrown into, say, a, a battle at the end. And they're going to probably pick some of this up in Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is going to be interesting because following on from Infinity War, we've got a year's break until what presumably is going to be Infinity Gauntlet or whatever they're going to call it when they do finally name it, probably at the end of Infinity War in the after credits. But we're going to have Ant-Man and the Wasp in between there. So they're going to introduce this character in her superhero form, the Wasp, in Avengers Infinity War. And then we're going to pick that character up back in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So it's going to be fun kind of seeing how they're seeding different things. You're going to have a couple movies in between the Infinity War saga that have these characters that we're now going to get start or starting to get images of. We're going to get introduction to in, in more of that Wasp form in Avengers Infinity War. So I like how they're doing that. They did the same thing in Civil War with Spider-Man and Black Panther. And then they spun out into their own movies. So you had that that connection almost with these characters that are relatable within the MCU. And I like what they're doing here. It's a little different than what DC's tried because they've kind of just, like you said, or like I'm saying, they just kind of threw it all up and just expect you to attach these characters. But they're kind of using now these bigger films to introduce the, some of the smaller characters and then spin them out into their own films. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. Yeah. It's awesome. Here's a couple of things I wanted to throw at you at regarding these, these covers here. 
I miss him. I know he doesn't belong here, but Colson, I would love to have seen Colson here. I I agree, man. So Agents of Shield kicks up. It either has or it's gonna start within the next week or so. And I thought that wasn't I thought that wasn't coming back until twenty eighteen. So did I, but it looks you might be right. They've shown at least if you can watch the first like twenty minutes of the first episode. And are you caught up on it? The season four? Yeah, season I have, four? I've not missed an episode. Yeah, so they're up in up in spoilers, I guess, but they're kind of up in space, it looks like, for the first part. And I, it's going to be interesting because I don't know if they're bringing in S.W.O.R.D., which is the S.H.I.E.L.D. equivalent for space, kind of the Space Watchers or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> guarding, guarding the planet to some degree. And it's going to be interesting to see if they integrate that into Infinity War. That's... It, it, that's a lot to put in. I mean, there's already so much going on, right? And and another notable absence, which they will integrate into Infinity War, from what we've heard, another lady who could have easily graced these covers, and I wonder, I'm asking, I'm asking you, should they have put her there, uh, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel? Yeah, you know, I would love if they had put her here, but I, I'm kind of happy they didn't. They got to save a little bit of Captain Marvel for me. I don't think now don't quote me on this i don't think she's in infinity war if she is it's very briefly because yeah i thought i thought i heard something to that effect but she's confirmed that i I, again don't quote me but i'm pretty sure i heard that she said that she's in it but it's not a big role yeah okay so maybe more of a cameo style thing like where when you're looking at the end of uh, age of ultron when you kind of get the cameo of roadie and falcon as part of the avengers it's because we're gonna get that captain marvel movie too in 2019 so it's and it's a it's a prequel and it's introducing the scrolls it's got nick fury in it so i'm kind yeah she probably should have been on these covers you're right but at the same time if they're gonna because they're all in uniform here they need to show her in uniform for the first time in motion i think like we have to see this in a trailer and Not yeah, she cover. probably deserves her own spotlight right now that I'm, we, we're, we're talking about it. She probably deserves her own you know, singular po- character poster somewhere or, like you said, a, a, a little teaser with, with her in it. Uh, yeah, absolutely, because I, I think she's going to be almost like the, the Captain America of the next phase. Oh, yeah, she's going to be taking that role. And you see almost how they're seeding these new characters. You take Black Panther, which is a cross, I think, between Tony Stark and Captain America. You see him taking that that more of that Captain America position going forward, and you've got Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Again, it's going to take one of these pedestal spotlights for the MCU, so you kind of release some of these guys. And that's something we're going to get into and when we talk Infinity War trailer is, is it possible that we're going to lose some of these heroes and some of these big names that are coming into the universe are going to be taking oh. that spotlight and carrying this franchise through Avengers 4 and into eventually Phase 4 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, th- this is tough, right? Because really, to this point, there's been no consequences in any of these MCU movies. They've all had their own version of, of tension and, and stakes, but nobody's paid the price. A couple characters. Have you seen Guardians? Two. Uh, part two? Yeah. Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about, so you don't have to, you don't have to so, shield me. I'm, <laughs> so the, you are starting to see a few consequences, but you're right. It's more of the... The B character, the yeah, C character. Yeah, the secondary guys. And um, we saw that with Coulson. He did eventually come back. The only real character that we've lost that didn't have that same that that emotional impact because he was introduced in Age of Ultron, that's Quicksilver, and died in Age of Ultron. So you right. don't have that connection to them. But can you imagine the stakes if Captain America or Tony Stark 
bite it in Infinity War? Like permanently bite it? Like there's always that opportunity that they have the time stone, right? Like I'm never going to believe a death until the, the credits roll. And even beyond that, like, can you even beyond that? Yeah. <laughs> they can, they can bring them back. How many times have characters died in comics and been oh, back all the time? Like it's, it's almost, it's almost silly sometimes, but over <laughs> the years they found a way to bring everyone back somehow. And you know, they also have an out here too. And I could really see them doing this going into phase four is that if say they kill off whomever Falcon or, or Iron Man or Thor or someone, they can also play the scroll angle on all of this too. With that note, Falcon was a scroll the whole time he was fighting on the side of the Avengers. It was part of the invasion angle, and his real human form is on a spaceship or in kind of scroll jail somewhere, right? Like they yeah. they did that with the Wasp in the comic books. They did that with a whole bunch of characters, and that's how they brought them all back. Yeah, you could easily do that, but that would be that would mean twice. Uh, sort of the good guys had been infiltrated by Hydra and now the Skrulls. Mm-hmm. You guys need to tighten up if that's the case. Yeah, I think they're going big sc- way. Skrull angle phase four. I, I, I'd i almost guarantee it that that's the direction they they're going. To. You have to. I mean, you always need sort of a, a horde, an army of aliens or, or uh, evildoers to take care of. And how many left? Yeah, they, they put in the Chitari, who I'd never really heard of before that. But the Skrulls, they're, they're a must. They, they have to. And I think really phase four is going to be the scrolls. Look at us talking phase four even before <laughs> Infinity War drops. <laughs> but I think that the scrolls is going to be that slow burn tease throughout phase four, phase five, or whatever they're going to call it after that. That's going to be the Thanos tease. They're going to pull this secret invasion angle eventually into like a who do you trust type marketing campaign where everyone's going to be guessing who is the scroll, who's been the scroll forever. My prediction? Mariana Hill has been a scroll since the beginning. Wow. Yeah, that would wow, that would be that would be a tough one to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> like there since the start. They and, can wreck on it. It would make sense. There she is. She's in, she's she's shield. And it, like it would it would just go to show again that these guys cannot uh, keep themselves secure. No, and she's part of the Avengers kind of initiative thing when they're in Age of Ultron. Like she's working for Tony Stark and all that. So she's been part of everything. One way or another, high-level command on everything. It makes perfect sense. And she's a character that is believable in that role, right? Is believable that they're, they're not the Captain America that's making these altruistic choices. They're not the Robert Downey Jr. that is Iron Man or Tony Stark that is just that character, right? Like, you, you, you that's less believable. But Mariana Hill, to me, is way more believable as a scroll. Yeah, no, she's just far enough out of the limelight that... Yeah. You you do that you you have that that shot where she morphs into a scroll and you go oh my god yeah like you geniuses you evil bastard look what you've done <laughs> oh, picture this man just close your eyes and think about the end of Infinity War or say Avengers four and all you've got is Tony Stark maybe Thor or someone Doctor Strange standing over a table over a deceased hero and then all you see is the chin ripple. And then they kind of morph into a scroll the same way they did Electra in the secret invasion angle where they're all standing over and it's like, okay, this person died. And then they turns, they turn back into a scroll and that's the tease at the end of Avengers four mistrust galore. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, it would run rampant. It would be yep. the perfect slow burn to take them through the next phases of the cinematic universe. It gives Absolutely. you that same anticipation level that we've gotten since the beginning with Thanos. 
they they have to be thinking that, right? It it seems almost too good to be true. It's right there for them. Yeah. And because Captain Marvel, who is going to introduce the the film is going to introduce the Skrulls, you put yourself in a position to now retcon everything because it's set in the nineties. So you're retconning this invasion happening in the nineties already. And this is why Again, this is speculation and theory, why I think Fury's been gone for a while. I think he's the same way in the comic books. He's kind of gone into hiding trying to figure out who the Skrulls are. Who is the Skrull? And he's in Captain Marvel. To me, it all lines up. They're seeding something bigger. Yep. They're, they're, uh, Kevin Feige's thinking ahead, man. He is. <laughs> but enough of Phase 4 talk. we got something big to talk about here. It's we do. the Avengers Infinity War trailer. This was teased a couple days ago by... Marvel themselves and by Tom Holland. He had a really great Instagram post that went up and kind of making fun of him and Mark Ruffalo for being some of the the, the weaker ends of keeping the Marvel secret tight <laughs> with Ruffalo actually live streaming the first 20 minutes of audio from Thor Ragnarok premiere. Tom Holland is notorious for giving away spoilers and in interviews. And so that's what I love about Marvel here too. They played to both of those guys and had this really great reveal of this brand new poster, the teaser poster for Avengers Infinity War. And it's brilliant. It's just the A. It's coming May 4th. It's kind of got this kind of space epic feel to it and it fits so perfectly with the other two teaser posters you got the blue one from the original avengers and you've got the age of ultron red and black one with the, just the big a i've got both of those posters and i can't wait to get my hands on this what do you think of this reveal and the poster itself it's fairly simple but what did you think of it i like the poster it it, it, quite, it cuts quite a nice figure it's a very it, it's it's so simple, but it just makes an impact and a and a big visual statement. Um, and you know, the, the darker tones, sort of hint at the the you know the the, the space part of what's what's to come. Yeah. Uh, the Thanos part, the palette that they use here, the purples, blues, pinks, we see that through Guardians. We see that through all the Thanos scenes, and yeah. we see that in Ragnarok, Ragnarok a lot. Yeah. It's it's that palette that's coming through here, which I think is a big indication of where where this is going. Yeah. Big cosmic palette. I like that. Yeah, it's I, I love it. It's, teaser posters are always my favorite. The The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens, just a simple, very, very subtle posters I like. And yeah. this one fits that. It's going to look beautifully all lined up someday in my new nerd room if this house sale goes through. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I love that Tom Holland is the one that leaked it. Like, of course he did. Yeah, yeah like it's so uh, – and he has that piece of papers reading that says, you know, confidential, do not reveal Marvel Studios. And Mark <laughs> Ruffalo sent me this package. Oh, what's this? Ah, it's, it's so good. It plays so well to the tone of the cinematic universe, just having a reveal like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That kid was here in Montreal for three whole months and I had no clue. Really? He was shooting a movie and guess who, who he was shooting that movie with for three whole months? No clue. Daisy Ridley. Re oh, was that the, uh, what movie is that? Is uh, that the new Chaos um... something. Oh, okay. I can't remember the name of it. It's in, the, it's, they mentioned it in the Rolling Stone piece, but. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I lost a lot of hair today. Thinking about Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland were both in Montreal for three months. And I found out weeks after they'd already come and gone. Oh, man. She could have been on Tumblr Saber. <laughs> I'll buy you a Montreal smoked meat sandwich and you can sit here and podcast with me, Daisy. Uh, that's a good deal, right? I think so. Poutine, maybe? <laughs> all she right. can have both. I'll buy whatever she wants. <laughs> you can have it all. <laughs> Let's get into this trailer. We're going to break this thing down in a bit of detail here. I'm going to kind of step through this and kind of pick out some of the big things here because watching this 
I watched it the minute it came out. So it dropped on Good Morning America, I believe, for the first time on TV. And then it immediately hit YouTube. And I bet you I watched this, like I said, 20, 25 times today. I cannot stop watching this. It's it's a fantastic trailer. It, it's Unbelievable. And it, it pieces so much together. And the thing that I love about the way that Marvel cuts a trailer is it entices you enough. It gives you some elements of the story, but you still really have no idea what's going on. There's almost no dialogue except for two big voiceovers in this. And there's a couple key moments with Black Panther where you do hear him talking. But this whole first scene is overlain by this really great throwback line to Nick Fury. So Nick Fury is the first one to speak. And this this the whole line about there is an idea or there was an idea. And it was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could do and be something more. And this is read as we go through this first part of this really emotional trailer, at least the first part here. And the overlay of that speech is fantastic. It's it's similar to what we've gotten in a lot of the Infinity War teasers. There's a lot of it's Odin and Thor and Nick Fury talking over things. But to me, it, it just sets such a precedence when you're watching this. And you've got these scenes in the background, these scenes of devastation of Tony Stark almost in the fetal position. It's, it's, and it's a great callback to uh, the original Avengers when Nick Fury actually says the majority of this line. What did you think of, first of all, the, the trailer, the first part of this trailer? Let's just talk high level about just this um, this dialogue that we're getting, this narration over top of it. Yeah, well, like we said, it, it's it's Nick Fury, right? It's the guy who kind of started the whole thing for yeah. us, who who in that, was it the, the second scene or one of the... Uh, one of the very first it's Iron after Man. credit scenes, It was right? the first Iron Man after scene credit. You're part of a bigger universe now. Right. And, and see, now it's, it's a big full circle moment to hear him repeating these lines 10 years later. You know that this is the end. Yeah. You And you have that so the sad, lonely piano again in the background and those, those heavy strings. It's it's the, there, there's just a palpable sense of doom. And you, like you see there's there's a look on Tony Stark's face that you've you don't often see like it's it's not quite terror it's it's a hopelessness hopelessness and just almost pure defeat that i'm getting off of it yeah and and tony does not like defeat no he's always he always thinks he can get out of this or buy his way out of it or or invent his way out of it exactly it, the look on his face in this says to me that i i can't i can't do anything about this do you think someone's died in his arms someone close to him say like a I don't know, like a Peter Parker. Ooh, Peter Parker? I don't that'd be bold, wouldn't it? It would be bold. It would the unfortunate part about it, I think it for a movie like this, because we know we're getting Spider Man two or whatever they're gonna call it, it it's for the emotional stakes and the way I'm seeing Tony Stark in this this second scene after we see kind of see the, the orange hue over the world there. I, I don't know who could af- affect him that much other than him feeling responsible for the death of a, of a high school, of a 14, 15 year old. He's put him in danger. He's put him in this iron spider suit. And we see him later on in the trailer fighting directly with Thanos. Did he, did he kill Peter Parker, Spider-Man? That's the only thing I can put here. The, the problem with that though, is that it immediately puts you in the mode of, okay, it takes away from the, that stakes, right? You, you, you may have to make the leap and assumption that, there's going to be a way to bring him back because we know we're going to get Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, right? They're not going to go down the Miles Morales route, I don't think. That would be incredibly bold. But that, to me, is is kind of what I'm seeing in the scene. 
wow. I mean, who else could it be? I mean, we've been down this road with Rhodey. Yeah. So that would be sort of a you know boring. Uh, he's he's already been down the road of thinking he lost Pepper. Mm-hmm. I get, uh, Peter's probably next in line. Uh, I, I guess I got to be honest, unless it's Cap. I mean, they the, kind of that would be the, the other hatchet, one. right? Yeah, that that's the other guy that's at the top of the list is, you know, does he feel responsible because he called Cap back and Caps or did Cap sacrifice himself for Tony because he thought Tony, being the futurist, would be the only one that could defeat Thanos, defeat his army? By, like you said, inventing your way out of it or having something bigger planned. And maybe he makes a self-sacrifice after everything we saw in Civil War. It's it's that 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 person that Steve Rogers is making that that personal sacrifice and saying, no, take me and leave him type thing. Like, could that be where Tony's like, this is a dark, dark opening. It is. It really is. And the, the, these teasers are meant to lead it i don't know if they're teasing us i mean it's a teaser so they are teasing us but are they trying to point something out to us or are they just trying to jerk our chain that's that's the big question i think it's a bit of both i think and they've been really pushing this hard when they're talking about kevin feige and company is that this movie is is much bigger and has the stakes that maybe we've been looking for in the mcu this movie is kind of the start the beginning of the end we can call it right that phase four is going to be very, very different. And to be very different, you have to do something that changes every hero and maybe kills off a few of the really big ones. They've really, it's the same with The Last Jedi, is that they've been teasing for a long time that something big is going to happen. And I feel like they've been doing the same thing here. They're almost like preparing the audience for the death of Captain America, for the death of a fan favorite, a character that we've been with for 10 years. They have to. They have to thin the herd at some point. We've got, I don't know what the number is, but it feels like there's going to be 15 to 20 heroes doing battle in this movie. That's a lot of people to keep track of, Mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to introduce Black Panther. You're going to bring in uh, Captain Marvel. There's other heroes that you're trying to prop up here for the the next phases. Doctor Strange would be another and maybe Ant-Man as another. As long as we think as an audience that Cap... Iron Man, Thor, as long as we think these people are alive, Spider-Man as well, if we believe they're alive, it's going to take away from these new characters, I think. Yeah. We, we need these characters to take the place of these other guys, I think. I mean, in comics, it's one thing, right? You can just you can always read the title that you want. But when, you, when it comes to these movies, they're so tightly interwoven and they all lead into these Avenger films. You can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. There can't be Iron Man and Cap and Captain Marvel and... Uh, Doctor Strange and all these people. Hey, you can get away with it once here, but after that, you, you got to spread it out a bit and deconstruct this MCU just a bit so we can focus in on uh, and, and begin to love some of these other characters. Well, I agree. It's like I said, beginning of the end, almost a torch passing type of movie. Like you could be moving from here's Captain America literally passing some sort of torch to Captain Marvel or Black Panther. Like you could see something like that within these movies. Is it's. You hear about Evans or Downey maybe wanting to end these contracts. It seems like they they could play these characters forever. But at some point in time, they're going to either get tired of it or they're going to have to write the characters out because it serves the narrative better to not have one of these characters, one of these big three characters in the films anymore. I don't want to see that because I would love to see Captain America 4 or something else. But do you need that to make this movie this culmination movie have that big impact that they're looking for? I think you really do. 
I think so. I, I don't know if it needs to be uh, Infinity War 1. Mm-mm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. Or maybe it, maybe it's the end of Infinity War 1 just leaves you on an incredible downer. And part 2 is the fight back. I think you have to leave it on that. And that might be what they're teasing here is that this movie ends in a very unexpected way. Because usually in a Marvel movie, you kind of end relatively upbeat. You get a tease of something ominous later on. Maybe this movie just ends with Tony like this, the world in shambles. And Avengers 4, whatever you want to call it, is the fight back, the return of the Avengers, if you will. Yeah, I, I, you could totally see this movie. One of our heroes or more have, have been de- killed, destroyed, whatever. And, and Thanos walking away with all the stones and going, well, this is not good. Yeah, I, You I, know, it's, at some point, it's going to be okay. But immersed into that, into the story and into that universe, you walk out of there going, I have to wait a year now? It's a year between movies, right? Yeah, May to May. Yeah, so for that that following year, you're just pulling your hair out going, how are they going to stop Thanos? Who's going who's gonna to do it? Who's going to kill the Golden Goose or take that shot? It's a killer marketing campaign, I tell you. Leave it on a massive cliffhanger like this. Yeah. I think they have to do it. <laughs> no, absolutely, they have us. to. Now, in this this trailer here, we get quite a few scenes. It seemed to be three or so battles, three or so areas that they're focusing in on. And one of the big ones we get is a, scenes in New York with Wong, Doctor Strange, Mark Ruffalo, or Bruce Banner, in his non-Hulk form, and Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. And it seems like when we get into the first part of this trailer, we do see what would have been Hulk kind of crash through the Sanctum Sanatorium in New York. And he's back to Bruce Banner for him. And you've got Wong and Doctor Strange standing over top of him. This is pieced together, I guess, through uh, a few scenes in the in the in the trailer. But my guess is with Ruffalo at the start here, with Bruce Banner, is that at the end of Ragnarok we see that giant ship, which has been confirmed to be Thanos' flagship, pull up in front of the Asgardian Freedom Ship, and we've got Thor, Loki. And Hulk, with Korg and that as well, and Valkyrie, standing face-to-face with Thanos' ship. My guess is that ship doesn't fare so well. And we end up with Banner plummeting, or the Hulk plummeting from Thor's ship down and either aiming or being aimed at the Sanctum Sanctorium with Doctor Strange. I I want to believe that it's not a coincidence that Thor maybe sent Hulk to Doctor Strange after meeting him in Ragnarok. Mm, Good call. Very good call. Yeah, I like that. Because you see a couple times in another scene, you have Tony Stark with a clothed Bruce Banner standing kind of shoulder to shoulder with Wong and Doctor Strange as all the people are starting to run outside. So it seems like this is a nice way to connect up Ragnarok with Doctor Strange and then have Tony Stark enter the mix here because he's either tracked the Hulk or seen this happen and it's come over to see what's up. And now you have these kind of this really cool dynamic of characters all together. And it seems like they're going to be together at least for the first battle of New York or the second battle of New York, if you can call it that. Sure. And I, I wonder, I'm very curious, uh, you know, leaving the theater with, with um, the, the, the freedom ship staring at Thor's uh, Thanos's flagship. Are we, are we going to see what happens next or are we just going to be left to, figured out for ourselves like we, we cut to infinity war and only thor is left and it's just him sort of imprisoned on on thanos's ship i and, and like you said that hulk has been sort of e- ejected out 
to sort of get help or something like that because he's he's the only one that could survive that trip or something. Yeah, I think it's probably we're gonna see it pick up almost right after Ragnarok. I think you're going to see the destruction of the Asgardian ship because you see there's three characters you see from that film in this. One is Banner and Hulk. The second is Thor, which you see a couple times throughout this trailer and particularly at the very end. And also you get uh, Loki in here as well. So you've got to show all three of these characters getting off that ship and onto Earth alive or somewhat onto Earth, not so much Thor, it looks like. Which which begs the question, what happens to uh, Heimdall? Yeah, Heimdall, Korg. All that, all the, all the survivors. Yeah, Valkyrie, and then that whole, all the Asgardian people. Right, and I, which makes me think. I mean, if if you kill off, the, if you destroy that ship and everybody on it, save for the people that you just mentioned, Ragnarok was was for nothing. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it really defeats the purpose of him kind of creating this. What do you Noah's Ark or something to that effect? The yeah, Mayflower letting, letting or something, uh, right? Surter. Yeah. Letting yeah, him destroy true. Asgard, which seemed like a, bro- a stroke of brilliance at the time. Oh, yeah, Asgard's the people. Never mind the place. Just get to safety. And oops. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't work out so well because Thanos came along and swatted you out of space anyway. Yeah. You could play it off like you said that some people, are they capture a lot of them and maybe turn them into, I don't know, slaves of some sort. But you're right. They For the implications of Ragnarok, you have to have those Asgardian people survive. Otherwise, you no longer have Asgard. Unless they go and play some sort of the last son of Asgard arc with Thor going into the future. Like, he is the only remaining Asgardian anywhere outside of maybe Loki. And they can do all kinds of stuff, right? They could, in this Captain Marvel movie, if it's set in the 80s or 90s, whatever it is, she could, they could change the entire course of time. Yep. And they could come right back into the early 2000s or our present time. And there never was a Tony Stark or... The, the Tony Stark never turned out to be Iron Man. It was like somebody else took that mantle. They could just that would be crazy. Tear that whole thing up, just because they could Star Trek that, right? Yeah, they could warp everything. Yeah, splay off the timeline. Interesting. Wow, man, so much to think about. <laughs> <laughs> now, one interesting thing that we do get in here, we get some scenes with Scarlet Witch and Vision, a Paul Bettany version of the Vision, a fully humanoid looking or human looking. Um, vision character in here the mind stone which is the stone that's in vision's head we see it later on the in the trailer being pulled out by what looks like corvus glade one of the black order children of thanos but it was interesting i wasn't expecting to see a a full human paul bettany looking version of vision in here and also they seem to be really playing the the love arc between scarlet witch and vision that we see in the comics which means one of them is dead yeah (laughs) <laughs> it could be. I mean, think well. about it. I mean, Vision being what android, like half living, half half cyborg, whatever you want to call him, he's almost an easy target to kill. Yeah. Because yeah, you're not really killing a person. You're he's a droid or whatever you want to call him. And if you want, you can bring him back. Yeah, he yeah, he's an easy fix. He's someone that I could see Thanos literally picking up and ripping him in half. Yeah. Like, imagine that. That would be quite dramatic. And that that really puts that emotional stake to Scarlet Witch, which, you know, we saw Bendis throughout all of the 2000s use Scarlet Witch as his kind of way out of everything. Scarlet Witch was crazy, so she did this. Scarlet Witch was is now powerful like this, so she can do that. It's it was, But it was always the instability of her. And having Thanos rip Vision apart in front of her could put her in a, in a really weird state and give that character 
another level, another dimension to explore is this Scarlet Witch that's unstable because she's seen Vision, someone that she's come to care about and maybe even love, die in front of her. So it'd be an interesting arc to play with with her. Absolutely. Ah, man. There's so much here. I just, I can't believe this trailer. It's, 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 it's almost too dense for its own good. It is. And I've 25 times I've watched this or so. I'm getting new things out of it every single watch. And I think that speaks volumes to how this was cut. This is a perfect trailer because it gives you a little bit of everything, but also tells you not a lot. It gives you these elements of the film that give you this scale, this epic factor. And it, it just, to me, it, it soaks in so much emotion. Oh, man. Um, so Wakanda becomes one of the pivotal scenes in this trailer and probably within the movie. We do move later on to what seems to be a Hulkbuster of some sort in Wakanda. I don't know if the heroes have retreated here for some sort of protection. And that's why you have Banner here as well. Because it's, it's funny because the way that I see this movie progressing, just even from the trailer, is that you have this invasion of New York. And then you have the, the heroes kind of pivoting around the planet. So being a very global film. And you end up maybe with a lot of them being harbored in Wakanda with Black Panther and eventually the reveal that Captain America is there because we had this scene here with what looks like Black Widow and Mark Ruffalo having uh, being reunited and having that moment because they've teased their relationship even more in Ragnarok with that that one scene with her kind of trying to calm him down and Thor kind of playing to that throughout the lullaby throughout the entirety <laughs> of, of Ragnarok which was great it was brilliant but you see Mark Ruffalo or Bruce Banner here standing beside a massive hulkbuster arm which is really cool yeah there's some probably some uh some flashbacks there for him if he can really conjure up those memories he didn't in, in ragnarok he didn't seem to really recall much of the last two years he no did, did he, he remember sokovia he remember that was the last thing he remembered was sokovia he and says, then he, he's, he's on sakar yeah yeah he, <laughs> he just has none of it <laughs> Just, just rage for, for two straight years. Like he, he didn't even know how long he was Hulk for. No, he had no idea. He assumed it was the day after Sokovia. He took that in stride, man. If you told me I was in another <laughs> state of mind for two full years, I, I would have a conniption, man. Let alone waking up on a different planet. <laughs> yeah. Like, he took it really well. That's a that's a well-adjusted man. Okay, I get this. I, it's Thor. Okay, sure. <laughs> One thing that I absolutely loved about this trailer is that they brilliantly weaved in the Avengers theme into the trailer. They oh. slowed it down quite a bit and kind of pulled it in with the with the deep strings and the piano as well, as you mentioned. It's that because that's one thing that we're always kind of hammering on a bit about with the MCU in our retrospective series is that you can't really hum a theme like you can hum a Superman theme or a Batman theme from 89. This this Avengers theme, how it's woven into here, it is brilliant i love what they did with the with the whole score of this trailer it's it's fantastic it's it's there's no words there's no. really no words i mean uh, for, for i think for all of us in nerddom i think star wars is probably the gold standard yep but the music here and maybe it's because of star wars that we pay a lot of extra attention to the music and in, in other trailers but this is awesome yeah, well, it's such an important part of a trailer, I find. I, I That's why I criticize some of the, the DC stuff that was very rocky, is that, to me, trailer a trailer needs to pull you in visually, but also needs to connect with you emotionally. Because you essentially have two minutes of a two-and-a-half-hour film or so to show your best scenes and to get people wildly engaged with the movie. And I feel like if you can't pull people in with a trailer, then you might as well put your movie on the shelf. 
because if you can't show two good minutes of footage and tie that together with a really great score, then just stop where you are and start over as far as I'm concerned. Go home and rethink your life. Exactly. <laughs> now, a couple of other elements in here that we see kind of off the back end of the big Marvel logo is one, we see Tony Stark, and this is kind of what we alluded to before with Strange Wong and Bruce Banner. But one thing that's interesting, we saw this from some of the set photos too, is that he seems to have an arc reactor in his chest again. And I don't get that because they pulled it out at the end of Iron Man 3. Yeah, I thought that was a done deal. So I, there's going to have to do a little bit of explaining in the film as to why he's got, unless he's wearing some sleek armor that he's got the reactor on his chest, but you really don't see it until it bulks up. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. Yeah, that that's a strange little uh, little thing they picked up on there. I, I don't know how that would have worked. It, it seems like a bad idea to go put one back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be just a weird retcon because I felt like it was it was a way for them to allow Robert Downey Jr. to to run around with having to glue this glowy thing or put the CGI to put this glow thing on his chest in every single scene that he's not wearing an Iron Man costume. It just seemed like a convenience thing more than anything. Yeah, like it, it that's just, a good catch. And if he is if he is uh, you know walking around with with another arc reactor implant, got to know how that happened. Yeah. And I, you know I don't I don't want them to spend time on that in this movie. No, I just they, hope that, you know, I, I hope like, it's like you said, he, he drops his, his sport coat and like an armor springs out from, from, from it or something. It's, it's something, it's some kind of wearable yeah. that he's been, he's been sporting because yeah, otherwise it makes no sense. And you're wasting valuable screen time doing something that you probably shouldn't have done in the first place. Exactly. Like, and it's one of those things It's the people who are going to care about that is, is people like me and you and, and the boys in the nerd room. But it's it's important for storytelling. Like they've done so well with their stories is that the, it's the attention to detail that always gets me is that, especially with a connected universe like this, and yeah, they've tripped over themselves once in a while, but for the most part, people are going to know that he yanked that thing out of his chest. So I have all the faith in the world that Joan Anthony Russo, the directors, are going to explain that one way or another. And I think it's just going to be a really slim to the chest type of armor. And we do see him in an so. armor later, the more of a, kind of the almost invincible Iron Man looking armor. And I, I'm assuming it's something along that line. That's the way he calls the armor or something to that effect. So. Yep, I, I tend. I, I agree. I want to agree. I do agree, and I hope we're all right. Yeah. What do you think of Spidey Sense? We get here on Peter Parker when he's sitting on the bus. It's perfect. You know, I, I don't know that they hit hard enough on that in Homecoming. They really didn't have any of it. Yeah, I, that's one thing. I, so I, I bought the disc last week, and I watched it for the first time last Friday. And I was, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I, I don't think I loved it as much as I wanted to. Sorry, sorry, Troy. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's crying. Somewhere. I did like it. I mean, I went out and bought it, and I will watch it again. But one of the things I missed is the Spidey sense. I didn't get that enough. But this almost makes up for it because they are thinking about it. Yeah, that was one thing I did hear coming out of the San Diego Comic-Con or the D23 reveal that you did get a little hint of Spidey Sense and apparently people went bananas when they when they saw that, when they saw the hair on his arm stand up. Because it's really cool. Yeah. It's, 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 it's Spider-Man. It's the essence of Spider-Man having the Spidey Sense. The, the way I've explained it in my own headcanon is that because his powers are relatively new, it's something that's constantly evolving the same way we saw him with the suit. So that's the next step in the Spider-Man Peter Parker evolution is Spidey sense. And that's why we're only getting it here. And it's great. Fair. We all know what it is. And just having that hair stand up the, cause what are you seeing out this, this big ring in the sky? What are your thoughts? What could this be? Is this some sort of transport? It's clearly something to do with Thanos. 
Oh, yeah, definitely to do with Thanos. It almost looks like something that is – it arrives in orbit as like a, a long singular piece and wraps into a coil. Yeah. Like it looks like it's folded over onto itself. Yeah, I agree. And is some sort of uh, portal again. Yeah, it looks like a portal, some way to conveniently transport a whole army of cannon fodder almost into New York. Which again. takes us back to 2012, right? Exactly. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> here we go. You need a cannon fodder army. <laughs> yeah, they all just will pour through here, right? And poor New York again. Yeah, just to cover. Because why do you think, again, this is a question that, that we need to address. We need to get to New York. So there's a couple important things related to the Infinity Stones here. We know that the time gem is in New York with Doctor Strange and the Eye of Agamotto. We've got the Tesseract, which is the next scene we hear that is in the possession of Loki, and he looks like he hands it off to Thanos at some point here because he snagged it at the end of Ragnarok. This is official confirmation that he did do that. They you, heavily, you're right. That was your call, eh? Yeah, they heavily alluded to that. And yeah, he snagged it, and now he's handing it off here. So that's your Space Stone. We've got the Power Stone, which was on uh, Xandar with the Nova Corp. And we see that in Thanos' glove later on in the trailer. So presumably at some point we're going to see Xandar getting ripped up by Thanos and his army. And then we've got the the Aether, so the Reality Stone, which is in the possession of the Collector. I've lost track here. And then we're missing the Stole Stone. <laughs> and I think there's one other I'm missing here, which is going to really bother me. <laughs> Anyways, so the one we're missing is the Soul Stone here. So my prediction is, and we really only have one movie left to introduce it, but because Wakanda is such a focus of this trailer, my guess now, I'd guess it was in Heimdall for Ragnarok, but the Soul Stone has to be in Wakanda, I think. I think that's why you're getting the focus of the forces, Thanos forces in Wakanda. It's because they're chasing the Soul Stone. Why do all the Soul, soul Stones have to end up on our planet? That's the thing. That's that's the hard thing. That's almost the, the almost the contrived part of it, right? Is why was the Tesseract here? Why is the Time Stone here? Why are the Space Stone in the Tesseract? And oh, the Mind Stone. That's in. That was the other one I'm missing. <laughs> that was in, it's in Vision's head, or was in Vision's head. Um, We've already got the Boston Bruins. Like that's enough <laughs> bad in this world. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, because realistically, that would put that would put the Mind Stone, the Time Stone. And presumably the Soul Stone, so three of the six on Earth. That's, That's a lot. Fair. That's a lot. There's billions of planets out there. Share the load, guys. Yeah. <laughs> But that's why that's why I think we're getting Wakanda so much focus in on Wakanda here is because the Soul Stone's there. It's a similar because if you look back into the comic books, the event Infinity, which I think this is taking some cues from. This was an event in 2013. Fantastic. Part of Hickman's Avengers run. I think they're going to take quite a few cues from this because that's where the Black Order, the children of Thanos, as they're called here, that's where they're first introduced is in that book in a new Avengers 14 or something. And it was a very similar thing where you had each one of them acting as a general and they're all going after individual infinity stones and for Thanos. So I think you're going to see some of that parallel in this is where you have kind of the generals, the children of Thanos that were first showed off at D23, them going to Wakanda, New York, and after Vision. So because you see two different people in Wakanda, you see someone else going after Vision of the Black Order. So I think they've kind of separated and gone after the individual stones along with this kind of beast cannon fire army that they have. Yeah, no, no, that sounds... I spent way yeah, too much time breaking this too. down in my head. <laughs> but it, it all sounds very fair and reasonable. Like, there, there's... I, I can't argue any of that. Yeah. So 
Loki here, do you think he's going to bite it? Do you think he is on the list of characters that is potentially going to be killed by Thanos once he hands over the Tesseract? My my knee jerk is yes. Yeah. I'm looking at this scene. He's walking among all these dead bodies. Are these the Asgardian survivors? They look like them. I'm not sure. They're either New York, people have died in New York, or the Asgardians. He's come down, the ship's crashed maybe, and he's kind of walks out of it with the Tesseract and hands it right to Thanos. Like I, I'm wondering if... Loki kind of does the math in his head going, oh, that's that's Thanos' ship. Uh, I'm standing here with these losers. My, I'm, he's, and he plays his hand because in Ragnarok, he tries again yeah. to screw Thor. He's always he all, Every time you think he's come correct, he does what Loki does, and he tries to pull another fast one. I wonder if he's pulled the ultimate betrayal here, the last straw for, between him and, and Thor, where he's uh, you know, pulled a fast one, killed off many if not all of the asgardians and has decided that i'm going to try and buy favor with thanos by wiping these people out and handing over this tesseract i really think so it, it would be it's a fitting end for loki it's almost full circle from avengers number one right where he's been tasked to go get the tesseract and he eventually hands it to him my mission is complete i will now take their world for my ruling that could be a play that he does like he could just and be I, I can totally see he hands over the Tesseract to Thanos. He's, yeah, thanks, buddy, and just stomps him flat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, totally. What do you, that what would do you... be shocking, too, because they don't have to kill a hero. No, they for don't. Because Loki's almost become the anti-hero. He definitely, in, by the end of Ragnarok, that's what I would call them, an anti-hero. We like him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a jerk. Deep down, he's a jerk, but we like him. Yeah, and he's... it would, his death, if you do it in a shocking enough manner can hit home just as hard as if you kill Banner or Steve Rogers. If they play it right and it's it's shocking and immediate and swift, oh my God, like that that hits home. And especially coming off of Ragnarok, it's like you said, it's made him into that anti-hero. It's made him into even more of, of a fan favorite and you intrigued by the character. And to have his his story, his arc that they started to develop in Ragnarok cut short by Thanos that that like you said it really stabs you in the heart and you could I, I, if thor is still kicking around there maybe we feel it through thor's reaction maybe he takes a run at thanos and that doesn't go well no yeah there's so many ways this could play out that could just strike so many chords yeah i think loki's probably the first death that would be my prediction the first death you're going to see in this film is loki it's going to be right away it's going to be immediate right in the first 15 minutes and it's going to really could, set the mix tone. Korg in there as well. I mean, yeah. If, if I see, if we see Korg die, he can't I'll, die. He's he's too sweet. I'll be heartbroken. You can't, you can't kill Korg. No, he I gets a free pass. He has to. <laughs> we got we need to pop it in and out and giving us that little laugh because this is going to be a dark movie. Yeah, well, you're right. They they need some levity. They Every movie do. needs to have a bit of levity. What are your thoughts on the look of Thanos? We get our first really really good look at Josh Brolin. In, th- in the Thanos role, in the, the CGI motion capture role. What do you think of his look? I'm on the fence. I, I like the sound of him. Uh, I I had a tough time gauging the scale because he's supposed to be eight, nine feet tall, right? Yeah, something like that. No, that's the, and it's the first time we're getting a real comparative when he stands up against or right over top of Iron Man and when he's got his hand over top of Spider-Man later on in the trailer. Yeah, maybe it's, you know, it's just the bald head. That is sort of not so threatening, but I mean, we know this guy is, is the ultimate baddie. 
yeah, that's thrown a lot of people off. A lot of people don't like him without the the armor on. I don't know if he's going to suit up later on, but that's thrown a lot of people off because there's at the end of the Infinity Gauntlet, I think he becomes like this weird farmer. <laughs> it's really strange, <laughs> but he looks a lot like this with he doesn't wear the armor or anything like that, and that's what's kind of thrown me off a bit. But the CGI looks on point they spent a lot of time developing this character josh brolin in the role the sound is great and he gives off this ominous tone he uh, and i like the way he kind of strolls out of this portal with all the confidence in the world that this yeah this this is gonna be easy yeah iron spider how is this movie not going to be two hours of just straight action I, this, Where is there going to be time for any exposition? This trailer almost shows that. You have three big battles that it's really focused in around. I, I don't know where there's going to be time to fit in lines, <laughs> to fit in any sort of... Con- like Marvel movies are known for the, that levity that we spoke of, right? How are they going to fit any of that in? How are they going to fit in the character interactions? Like You're getting Doc Strange and, and Iron Man or Tony Stark interacting. You need to give a little breathing room. You need to experience that. You got Captain America reemerging into the world. Like you have to spend a little time. This movie's got to be like three hours long. Uh, who who would say no to that? Definitely not me. I complain about length of DC <laughs> movies, but I would not. I would not bulk at a three-hour Infinity War movie. Oddly enough, the people who might say no to that is Marvel themselves, because a three-hour movie means less screenings. Exactly. Yeah, you guess you take what one one away a day or so, if not yep. more. Yeah, yep. that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> It sure is. Thoughts on, I know this is a lot of thoughts on, but this is what the trailer breakdown is. <laughs> what are you thinking about the Iron Spider suit? We did see it shown at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming. He seems to don it for a, at least a chunk of this film. We kind of inferred that because we saw a lot of Tom Holland with blankets on and weird black mocap suit on running around the set of Avengers Infinity War from way back when, when they first did that, hey, it's our first production, that little vignette that they put out. But what do you think? Thoughts on him wearing it and kind of the eyes lighting up in that? It looks killer, man. I, I it looks great. I wonder how much how, if they'll go too far. They'll stray too far from what Spidey is for me, anyway. As as uh, and I, was, I grew up with Spidey in the '80s when yeah. most outrageous thing was the, the, the symbiote suit. Was but otherwise, one. he's just web shooters and strength and spider sense. So I wonder if this is going to go a little too far for my liking, but I've liked virtually everything the MCU has done. Like, I, there's there's nothing they've done where I was like, ah, this is really just flat out bad. There's been a couple movies where I was like, eh, Thor, uh, Thor two. There's been some movies where I was just like, meh. But I I I th- I think I'll enjoy this. It, it looks badass, so I'm 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 down. It definitely looks awesome. My guess is it's probably a little later on in the film when they've kind of done a full assessment of what this threat is. And Stark says, you need to get in this suit. I don't imagine he just kind of jumps off that bus and hops in the iron spider suit. I'm certain we're going to get some of that web swinging. We saw the the image from vanity fair, which showed him in his normal Spider-Man costume. So my guess is we're going to get a bit of that, but later on in the film, we're gonna get the iron spider suit. Of course. Well, I, I'm wondering, so he, we see him get the, the the spider sense is tingling on the bus and he turns around and th- th- that's in New York, if I'm not mistaken. He's, yeah. he's on his way to school. He turns around, looks over his shoulder and the portal's opening up. So I wonder if, if you know, the bus stops on this bridge and he takes off and just goes and grabs his suit and meets up with Tony. And Tony says, yeah, kid, you're, you're back. And you want to be an Avenger? Here you go. 
Yeah. I and that to me is again it puts Tony Stark in that 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 the driver's seat and taking on that responsibility for pulling in Spider-Man again into another battle. Hey, we had civil war. Why don't you come help me? Hey, it's infinity war. Come help me. And then he ends up dying. That's, that's why I think that it's, I don't think it's the right move, but I feel like for the emotional stakes of Tony Stark, it's gotta be Peter Parker or cap and putting Peter Parker into that situation, giving him this suit, which he assumes is going to be good enough to survive the beating that Thanos looks like he's going to give him. And he doesn't. That's what puts Tony in that that really, like I said, fetal position, that emotional state where he's almost broken. And uh, driving that point home, imagine Tony having to face Aunt May. Yeah. Because she knows from the end of Homecoming who Peter Parker is. She knows that he's Spider-Man. I'm surprised they did that, but it was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. What the? <laughs> <laughs> what the? Oh, man. So much... Uh, I, I, this universe is something else. I'm just gushing over it right here. This is what this podcast is about right now. Just gushing over the MCU. But man, when they reintroduce Captain America into this trailer, the bearded Captain America we alluded to a bit, the long hair. But when Black Panther says, "Get this man a shield," after he's just caught the what looks like the blade of Proxima Midnight, so another one of Thanos's children. But he looks fantastic. I the the suit I love the it's almost kind of the Winter Soldier stealth suit that we're getting back again. Love it. Oh, it's and he looks. It's a. It, I guess maybe it's the beard, but this looks like a, a version of Cap who's just he's not playing games. No, he, I don't know if if this Cap is all uh, puppy dogs and ice cream and just all about doing the right thing. I think at this point he's almost. I don't want to say renegade, but he's ready to maybe blur some lines. I think so. He looks battle-worn. He's been on the run. They called him a war criminal in Homecoming, which was, I thought, a hilarious line. He he looks, yeah, just worn. He looks like he's had a lifetime of fighting wars. And what does this do to the psyche of a human? And uh, yeah. I hope that they, ex- they explore a little bit of that, that the whole, his whole life has been about war. And that's a, an, an interesting arc that they've played with in the comic books before and even in the films is that Captain America himself doesn't know what to do when he doesn't have the shield on, when he's not a soldier, when he's not taking orders. And so I hope they play with a bit of that about what happens to Captain America when the battle stops, when the war stops. and Or is it too much for him? Is this like he's going to battle again with another alien army? A guy from the 40s. Like, it's crazy. The man out of time who just, <laughs> wrong time, wrong place, wrong time, all the time. Yeah. So good, though. It's this battle of Wakanda, too. When you've got Black Panther, you've got Iron or Captain America here just scrapping with these big kind of mindless beasts. I'm not sure exactly what they are. I don't really recognize them from the comic books. But this battle looks incredible. It almost looks like they're fighting uh, predators. Yeah, it kind of does. Like I, My first thought was like a symbiote of some sort. Like you're getting kind of that black kind of the, just the, the appearance of them. I don't think they're going down that path. But it's something they could see later. Maybe, but I don't don't really know exactly what like the mindless ones. Maybe a little bit. They just they're just cannon fodder, but they're interesting that they they've taken some some liberties. It seems at least with some of the alien races from Guardians and that they seem to be doing something here. But I don't really recognize them at all. No, they don't look familiar to me whatsoever. And like you said, I mean they're they're, they're, they're this version's amped up equivalent of of Chitari warriors. Exactly. 
just they'll be very tough to beat, but uh, we know we know at some point who comes out on top. Yeah, right. Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is this scene here too, where we have Thanos going one on one with Iron Man. He's got the gauntlet on, like I said, he's got the power stone, and he's now he's got the space stone. So he's he's been to Xandar. He's taken the Tesseract from Loki, and he takes a one big swing at Cap or at Iron Man. There knocks him flat. Oh. Jeez, like it's. I'm assuming they're going to do a lot of like one-on-one battles with each individual hero versus Thanos to show the audience to really show you that not one single hero can do this. This is about the Avengers. This is about assembling and being a team to actually take down Thanos. But first, you got to show everyone that Thanos does not take shit from anyone, and he can walk through any individual hero. You see it in the scene before with Spider-Man. You see it here with Iron Man. Just flattens him. Just yeah, it's it, it's almost scary to see it. like Iron Man when he hits Iron Man, Iron Man just drops. It's yeah. not like in other battle scenes where you stagger the guy a little bit. Like he just he just wall wallpapers him. Yeah, it looks and like he just he, goes down like like it's almost like he's out before he hits the ground. It's exactly what it looks like. It looks like it knocks him right out. It's like a boxer and fun. It, it'll be interesting to see Hulk take a run at this guy. That's going to be a good fight too. Like they got, they got. That's another one they have to do the one-on-one battle with, to show how powerful Thanos is. Even if he's got the gauntlet, which is technically gives him a bit more power, but they got to show that not one hero can take this this character, this Thanos, this all-powerful Mad Titan down. Right, like whose power? I mean, Doctor Strange could maybe do something. Uh, Scarlet Witch could maybe do something, but it seems like anybody who wants to go one-on-one in, in a physical battle. Is gonna lose, but I mean, if Hulk is gonna take a run at this guy, you can imagine him, you know, uh, giving a, giving him a, a shot in the jaw, and maybe Thanos rolls with the punch a bit and just looks back and just wallops him. And then you see, you see Hulk just takes off and goes flying a mile away through a building, and you go, oh man, he's that strong. Yeah, they have to show how devastating he can be, how much he can actually take apart these individual members. Like that, you can't just say that. You have to show it. That's what this is Absolutely. about. This is all visual for me. And Absolutely, you must show how powerful Thanos is, both physically, uh, using uh, like the cosmic powers that he, that I think he has. Yeah. All, all of that. He's you got. We have to show his full power set. Maybe not in part one, but by the end of part two, we need to know exactly how powerful Thanos is. Yeah, and what the gauntlet can do. Because that's another, it's, it's, he had these kind of spurious stones that kind of do, for, to a degree, what the plot needs them to do. And you have to show that now when they're all combined, what this gauntlet is. Because this is something that you're, you're, you're wading a lot into comic book territory with the Infinity Gauntlet. It's, it's kind of just a device that does something. But they have to kind of go through and, and highlight the importance of the stones and what that means when they're together on the gauntlet. And then again, what that power set is given to the individual. Like, could you have Cap or Black Panther put on the gauntlet at some point in this film or into Avengers 4 like you do see in the comic books? Like, that would be incredible. It would be insane. And, and, and that kind of maybe gives a, a hint as to how, how do you defeat Thanos? Because you're not going to beat him up and, and tell him to get lost. I think you got to, you have to get the, the, the gauntlet off of him. Yeah. And then it comes down to who puts the gauntlet on. That's, that's the big one. It's kind of like picking up Mjolnir, right? You almost have to be this altruistic, like Captain America is the first person that comes to mind or Black Panther, that they're the ones that put it on because it's so much power to control that maybe it's like that, that 
there's so much of it that it corrupts and you need to have that, that the right person to put it on to put an end to Thanos. Maybe that, maybe that's the in for Captain Marvel who has her own cosmic power set too. Very much could be. Wow. And she's, Good I mean, pull. she's as, as far as strength goes, she's as, as strong as anybody, right? Yeah, she could be that. That would be, that's interesting. That's a great way to pull her into the, to the frame is that she has these cosmic powers and she's able maybe to handle it. I like yeah. that. Yeah, it's does that undercut all the struggle that are, that these current heroes have gone through? Like, should one of these heroes get that shot, or is it is it fitting to let Captain Marvel come in with an absolute bang and save the day for these new heroes and propel her into the the next era of Marvel? You almost you I think you're you're probably right on both ends is that you need to have an epic entrance into the MCU. She needs to come into a big way and make a big impact. Now, whether that's Nick Fury calling her up and say, I need you. And she lands in the middle of one of these battles, maybe this battle for Wakanda and she shows up and it's like, Oh my God, here's captain Marvel. Or on the flip side of that, you're probably right that you need to, to be a captain America. Someone that's been with us since the beginning that we understand the character, we understand the nature and the essence of them, and that you get that concept that power corrupts, but it only corrupts the people that allows it. So Captain America seems to me like, and they tease us a bit. He moved Thor's hammer in Age of Ultron. You know, like that's there's a cool tease there. And the next level to that is that he slips on the gauntlet, and now he controls it. That's the way to defeat Thanos. Because all this, I think, how this is all going to end eventually is. They're going to split the stones up and create someone of the Illuminati. And each individual hero, whether it's Doctor Strange, Iron Man, and that is going to have a stone for themselves. And they're going to be the keepers of those stones. That's for a discussion way in the future. But that's as we're kind of walking through this, this is what I'm already thinking about is phase four again. (laughs) Um, Lastly here, let's talk about this battle for Wakanda. You've got this Wakandan army that is aided by Bucky. So we're seeing Bucky back in the mix here. We've got Captain America, Black Widow. We've got Rhodey in the Iron, or the War Machine armor, Falcon, Black Panther. This battle, it, the scale of it, it almost looks Lord of the Rings-esque for scale, like Return of the King type. And it looks awesome. You've got these mad hordes coming out of the woods. And this is the battle for the Soul Stone, I think. That very well could be. And you need... If you're you're pitting this number of people against each other, against these thousands of of beasts, against thousands of Wakandan warriors, you need these wide open places to let that battle take place. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to have a small group of Avengers fighting Chitari through throughout the streets of New York, but you said it perfectly. This this is Return of the King for Marvel. It is. You you need to have that that epic scale of battle. We've seen over the last. I'd say few movies, some of the battles have become somewhat more intimate. When you look at Civil War, when you look at even Ragnarok, the scale of it isn't like the scale of the film's big, but the individual battles, like all of it's been a lot more personal. And now we have to jump out to this enormous scale. And I think this is a perfect place to do this because we're going to be coming right off the back end in February. We get Black Panther. And so we're going to be very familiar with Wakanda, the characters that we're seeing in here, the Dora Milaje, the, the Wakandan army. So you're, you're kind of spoiling a bit about what probably happens at the end of Black Panther by seeing this a lot in the trailer. But at the same time, it's it's a really nice relationship that you're seeing. You're, you're relying a bit on 
the people being familiar with Ragnarok and Black Panther. And then you walk into this trailer and you're like, wow, this is huge. And we get all amped up about learning about Wakanda and the importance of it and maybe having the soul stone teased. And then you're driving right into Infinity War. So Black Panther comes in February, which is, and it will take place before Infinity War. This will that Black Panther will feed directly into Infinity War. Looks like it, yeah. It's definitely okay. from a, a timeline perspective. It's it's happening, you know, after Ragnarok or at the same time as Ragnarok, maybe, and bleeds directly into Infinity War. So that's probably why you're seeing a lot of this because even this last scene with Thor and the Guardians, really really cool scene. It it comes right off the back end of Ragnarok. So you're seeing a lot of what the last two movies are doing and how they've told a really individualized story, especially with Ragnarok, but it connects so well for this next big step into infinity war. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's almost comical. It is. Like it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. That's what this is. It's, this is my wife's favorite part of the, the trailer. I made her watch it when the guardians, when Thor says, who the hell are you guys? And then it pans because I was a bit upset because I watched this whole trailer and I was like, where are the Guardians? I love the Guardians. I know they're in this film. They were, they were from some of the descriptions of the trailers, they played a big part in the D23 and the San Diego Comic-Con trailer that was shown. This is a perfect way to bring them in is you link up Ragnarok, you have it just pan to the Guardians and you get this big like awe moment. It's like, there's the Guardians. They're integrating the Guardians into this Infinity War, into... Like you're gonna have Star Lord fighting shoulder to shoulder with Doctor Strange or Captain America or Iron Man. Like, how awesome is that? This is this is just like Marvel MCU salad. Everybody's in the in the pool here. It's it's unbelievable. I I, I can't even wrap my mind around just the challenge of fitting in all these characters. Like, yeah, we've got the Russo brothers, and they've been. I don't even. I can't come up with a, a superlative good enough to describe the work they've done. But the task of working in these upwards of 15 to 20 individual heroes and not letting any one of them take over. Like we bragged about that with Joss Whedon in Avengers. Mm-hmm. That was like five or six guys. This is, this is triple that cast. And they, you have to handle all this and all of what they bring to the table. Yeah, and you're, it's you're insane. And you're weaving in so many stories because the, the complex part about a movie like this is one, you have to take characters with histories, integrate that history into the film, progress them and develop them within the film while pushing a brand new narrative. But then you also have to be cognizant of the fact that a lot of these characters or some of them at least have to spin out into phase four and their own solo movies. So you have to leave them in a place via the writing where it is believable and it's organic that they fall out of this film into the next stage of their character and arc. So it's there's so much to think about. It's not just writing one character in a trilogy, like a Batman, where it's it's very easy to keep track of the character and be consistent. You're skipping through different writers, different directors, different everything. So keeping the consistency has got to be one of the hardest parts. Yeah, having, having Star-Lord look and feel like Star-Lord or sound like Star-Lord v- through dialogue across different directors what a, what a job man yeah and but that, i wonder is is this this little tiny scene here taking it back to the loki scene where he hands over the tesseract i you know i can very easily see you know thor being bo- booted off the ship somehow cast into space left left to die scooped up by the guardians i think i think you're exactly right there i think that they've 
for whatever reason, because the, the one interesting part about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is that it takes place right after Volume 1. So in the MCU timeline, Volume 2 takes place before Civil War. So it's one of the only ones that's sequentially out of order. So you've got quite a bit of time. I think Guardians, I want to say, is like Volume 2 is set a couple years before Infinity War. So because you see teen teenage Groot in this in the ship in the Milano here with them. So right. it may be something at the start of the film, let's say that Thanos goes after Xandar and that connection with the guardians and the Xandar guardians of the galaxy come into Xandar, maybe protect a few people and end up following Thanos to earth. And then you have, they arrive at earth and it's like the ship has been blown up and Thor's just floating around or they find him somewhere and they pull him into the ship. Yeah. And so here's a, okay. How's, how's this for that Loki scene? Him, Thor, Heimdall, get together. Guys, how are we going to plan this out? They you know, whisper to each other. You have one of those classic scenes. Here's what we're going to do. And Loki goes, oh, here's what I'm going to do. Runs Heimdall through, opens an airlock, boots out Thor, lays waste to the survivors. Here you go, Loki. Here's the Tesseract. Look what I've, I've cleared the path for you. I got rid of the, my god goody two-shoes brother. Heimdall's gone. I'm your friend. I... I really like that because you know what that does too? It opens up the window for the Asgardians to survive. You can have him lay waste to a few, but essentially he commandeers the ship and gives it over to Thanos. And so it gives you an out for the Asgardian people. They don't have to kill them all by, say, blowing up the ship. Right. Oh, I like that. I like that yeah, a just, lot. Yeah, get rid of Heimdall, get rid of Thor. As the, I mean, yeah, you still have Korg and a couple other and tough Jettison guys there. Hulk too. Oh, actually, uh, what's his face is still there. Carl Urban's character. No, he dies. I think doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, he kamikazed with the two with the two uh, machine rifles. Guns, yeah. It's funny you say that because I had the exact same when we did a review. I was like, "Where the hell did he end up?" And then the guys were like, "No, he died." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." But that makes, but it makes perfect <laughs> sense. So like, you jettison Hulk, you jettison Thor, and you maybe kill Heimdall. I'm not sure what you do with that character, but oh, I like that. And then you have him hand over. The Tesseract to Thanos, and then Thanos kills him. Man, they should pay yeah. us to write this stuff. <laughs> they show, yeah. Kevin? Just, <laughs> it's funny. I, that's what I love talking about trailers and that. You speculate so much and you dig so deep into it, and then it turns out that it's all trailer trickery and they've just pieced together weird things and you have no idea what's actually going on. Or, they, they, yeah, they've taken a page from Rogue One and 90% of it's not part of the film anyway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Well, that was a ton of fun. I, I absolutely love breaking down trailers and talking through this because for me, the MCU is, is a big part of my nerddom, big part of my fandom. And it's a pleasure, man, having you here to break this down. I don't think I could have went the week without talking to someone in a bit of depth about this trailer. Uh, it was my pleasure to be here and, and consider that we're going to have to deal with, we're going to have to somehow, I don't know, we're going to have to dig deep, uh, Tim, Troy, and all the, all the guys across the Commonwealth. We're going to have to dig real deep and find space for Han Solo film. That's that's the thing. And we've got the, the bets on the table too. Sunday, he will wear a, a Chewbacca costume, full Chewbacca costume, if they do not move Han Solo. He was convinced. I agree with him though. But he's convinced so much that he made that bet that he will wear a Chewbacca costume if they don't move Han Solo. If they debut Han Solo two weeks after Infinity War. Which seems nuts. It seems crazy. I, I Based on what I can see, they're not moving it. They're, they're plowing ahead. They've had every opportunity to move that, 
to say that they've had every out with the director falling off and them having to reshoot 80% of the film. They have fandom support, even just in the date change, because I think people really like the December. But beyond that, they have a real business reason to move it. Hey, guys, we're moving Han Solo. One, because, you know, the whole director thing. Two, we don't want it coming out two weeks after what could be the and probably will be the biggest film of 2018. Absolutely. It's it's a little bit strange. And I, I mentioned it on my pod a while back that I think there's a reason that you and I and most fans don't give a rip about. And that's because that's all the the the, the licensees, the toy manufacturers who mm-hmm. are sitting on yep. all this merchandise, millions of dollars of inventory is just going to sit in a warehouse because you want to move your movie to December. Uh-uh. That's yeah. millions of dollars of, of dead floor space that sorry, Disney, Marvel, uh, Hasbro, whoever is in charge of picking up that check. Ain't happening. You wanted these toys for for delivered for April or May 2018. You're getting them. Yeah. And and at that point, there's no choice. You have to you have to get the movie out. Oh, I agree. And I remember you guys talking about it in the show. And I remember thinking to myself, what's going to happen when we have the last Jedi figures, the last couple waves coming out at the same time as the first waves for Han Solo? Oh. it's going to be all overlapped. <laughs> and, and then you got to wait a year and a half for a film, for a uh, another Star Wars film for Episode Nine. So you're gonna have a really big gap there. I'm. I, I'll still be. I. I hope. I mean, I know I've been saying they're sticking with May, but I hope they move it to December. Selfishly, I agree. I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll be happy to be selfish on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, Kyle, where can everybody find you on the internet and let everyone know what is going on over at Tumbling Saber? Uh, well, we have our Tumbling Saber podcast, which you can find, of course, on on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. Uh, Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you use, uh, that's that's the big deal. That every Tuesday is is, the, is our new episodes, and then we come out with uh, something for our powerful friends every Friday, and that is either going to be uh, an interview with a powerful friend about their Star Wars story, or uh, we talk about Star Wars comics, and we talk about um, uh, we, some. We're on a break, a break from Rebels, but we might get back into that, and we also have our Sith Disturbers, which is just um, a Sith show. It's awesome. It's all all the content you guys are producing is absolutely incredible. You guys put so much content. It's diverse content and it's engaging content. So I love it. So to me, these guys are high recommend. Get over to the Patreon page. Make sure you support them. Become a powerful friend. And yeah, make sure you listen to Tumbling Saber. Get toys. Key. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And for me, you can always find me at the NerdRM on Twitter. You can email if you want to be part of the show at the NerdRM at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook or our YouTube page. And you can also check out some of the articles that we throw up periodically over at the nerdroom.net. Well, man, for this incredible Avengers Infinity War trailer and my appreciation for you coming on the show, filling in the seat and talking through this for an hour and a half after we said, no, it will be no longer than an hour. It's been just a hell of a time, man. I appreciate you being here again. And thanks a lot. Loved every minute of it, Tim. Thanks for having me and do it anytime. Yeah, and we're looking forward to catching up with you soon with some Last Jedi coverage and maybe some collecting coverage coming into December here, which will be our month of Star Wars. But until then, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Kyle. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sunjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, 
Pummeling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.